how do you start building a relationship with people at great brands? Well, you live in the perfect time in the world to be able to do that. It is the age of social media and you can connect with people all over the world in any country, in any business. everyone thanks for tuning into nodes of design to help support our mission spread knowledge we have a very special guest on today's episode let's welcome michael janda who is a creative leader and a design evangelist with more than 20 years of experience in both in-house creative departments and agencies working with some of the greatest brands in the world he's also founder of creative agency riser which he led for over 13 years and had worked with brands like disney google abc fox warner bros nbc tv guide and many other noticeable companies around the world he's also winner for many prestigious global awards like Webby's FWA awards AIGA and Addis also he is author of famous best selling book burn your portfolio stuff they don't teach you in design school but should this book is a top selling book in the industry and it's been published in many languages like english russian chinese traditional and chinese simplified he is also a keynote speaker at various occasions around the world in this episode michael had shared wonderful insights on freelance we spoke about how creatives can go for a full time freelancing what are the do's and don'ts that they must follow while jumping into full time freelancing and also later part we spoke about the right proposal or the right way to approach big brands and generate some great revenues in the end we spoke about pricing and how to price according to different clients based on different demographics hope you guys enjoy this episode and on every friday we release new episode with different creative leaders around the world to make you help better understand different topics of design so don't forget to tune in into notes of design every friday with that being said happy designing everyone Hi Michael, welcome to Notes of Design. It's pleasure hosting you today on our show. Oh, I'm so excited to be on your show. Thank you. We were just chatting before we jumped on and you have a great background as a medium author and just a design thought leader, so I'm so glad to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much Michael. So Michael if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. So I'm a graphic design veteran. I owned an agency for a lot of years. 13 years I owned an agency. I sold my agency in 2015 and really embarked on what I'm doing now in developing content to help designers level up in their career, especially freelancers and agency owners. I help a lot with the business side of the design industry because that's where so many people struggle and it's one of the things that I did well in my agency and I have a big passion for it. I started my agency in 202002. I built it over 13 years, sold it. I did work my biggest client was Disney, my second biggest client was Google. We did a lot of work for Warner Brothers and um HBO and Hulu and Netflix and ABC and NBC and Fox. I mean just down the list of really awesome companies that people dream of working with. I had the realization of that dream in my career and I'm so grateful for it in my life. Thank you so much Michael. So what was your journey into design? How did you start? What are your tips to the beginners who are planning to start now? You know, when I started as a designer in high school in my early years i i took all the art classes i loved all the art classes and um i thought okay i'm going to go and go to art school after 
high school, I'll go to university and go to art school and become a designer. That's what I thought. And then I got to college, I got to university and all my friends were going into the business school. And I thought, oh, you know what? I don't want to be a business guy. Or I I thought I don't want to be a starving artist. That's what I thought. I thought I don't want to be an artist and then struggle to make enough money to feed my family. And I'm just going to go into the business school with all my friends and at least make good money in my life. And then my freshman year, I almost flunked out of college. I hated my business classes. It wasn't something I was passionate in. And so I went home that summer after my first year of college and decided, okay, I'm gonna just going to be an artist and figure out my life. And I would rather do something I love every day and not have tons of money then do something I hate every day and have money. So that was my my decision. Fortunately for me, I learned that if you have passion for something and you truly love it, then you can excel at it and achieve great things. And to be honest, I probably made more money than all of my friends who went into the business school because I chased my dream of doing something that I was so, so passionate about. And it's made for a great career. I mean, most of the days in my life, I feel like I'm just doing something that is my hobby and people pay me money to do it. And it's just a great, we're lucky as designers, we're lucky to be able to do that because there are a lot of people out there that are, you know, shoveling hay for a living and and struggle in their life. And we get to sit behind a computer and make cool stuff and we love it. We would do it if nobody was paying us. How lucky is that? Thank you so much, Michael. So what are your tips to the young beginners out there? So I think tips, I mean, man, I have so many tips. I've written a couple books filled with tips. So let me give you just the first one, just because I just touched on it. Fall in love with what you do for a living. And then it doesn't feel like work. So if you don't really, really love it, then figure out something new to do that you can make money doing and fall in love with it because you're going to spend an awful lot of time doing it in your life. So if you're just trying to decide on your career, you're trying to figure out what you want to do for a living, and you've always loved to draw, then go into the design industry. Go and be a creative person, be an illustrator, and figure out how to make that work for you for a business, for your future. Lots and lots of people, millions of people have figured it out. You can too. So tip number one is fall in love and become passionate with what you do for a living. Uh, Tip number two, I would say, enjoy the roller coaster of your career. Enjoy, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. You're going to have times when you're afraid that you're never going to get another job. When you have so much work, you can't figure out how to get it all done and you're making tons of money. You're going to have times when you're hardly making any money. It is just going to be a roller coaster. And you know what? Everybody, for the most part, turns out just fine in the end. There are times when you think, oh my gosh, this is the end for me. I'm 27 years old. I'm never going to have another paying job in my life. And this is the end. I'm, I'm going to go homeless. This is what we think sometimes. And then you wake up 10 years later and you didn't go homeless. You did get another job. Everything worked out okay. And that's the way it is for most people in the world that it is going to turn out okay in the end. And so just enjoy the, enjoy the ride because I didn't for most of my career. I was too focused on growing and progressing. I didn't, I didn't get that enjoyment of a lot of the phases 
should have enjoyed a lot more thoroughly than I did. Thank you so much, Michael, for those wonderful tips and suggestions that you gave. I especially love the roller coaster one. Yeah. Owned an agency for almost 13 years now. You've been like doing freelance from your right from the beginning of your career. So mm-hmm. let's begin today's topic of freelance then. Every designer has this dream of starting off his own business and you know, work with great brands. But according to you, what do you think is the right time or the right, you know, technique that one should follow to get into full-time freelance? Okay, well, getting into full-time freelance, so you touched on a couple things that I'll talk about. One is how do you how do you find some great brands to work with and how do you start going full-time freelance? Now, full-time freelance is a challenge at the start because most people who start freelancing don't have enough clients to make it consistent. So they have one really big month and then the next month they don't have any work and then they get another month that they have some work and then the next month they have none. And the roller coaster is really extreme when you first start freelancing. Uh, So that's a challenge and you can prepare for that. The first thing is prepare mentally. Just knowing that that's going to be the case is super beneficial because when things get scary, we're mentally preparing for these scary moments. Financial preparation is super important. You really need to have some money in the bank. By your ability to not panic when you have these slow months that that usually happen at the start of a freelancer's career. So let's say that your your life, you have to bring in $2,000 per month to afford your rent and your food and your life. You have to have $2,000 a month. And in month number one, as a freelancer, you have, you make $2,000 in client work. And then in month number two, you don't have any client work. Now you don't have your $2,000. If you don't have $2,000 in the bank to pay for your life in month number two, you're going to be in trouble. So you've got to kind of save up some money in advance so that you can pay for your life in the slow months that come. Now, most of the time, the recommendation is three to six months of money in the bank to be able to to be a full-time freelancer. So if you cost $2,000 per month, then save up $6,000 so that you can have three months where you don't make any money as a freelancer And you can still pay for your life, pay for all the things that you need in your life. Now, that number changes for everybody because some people can, they're living with family and their life doesn't cost $2,000 a month. It costs $800 per month or $500 per month. And so you've got to understand your own costs per month and save up three to six months worth of money before you start freelancing. It will save you from these panic moments that come. Um, The next question you asked was, how do you find great brands to work with? And this is a challenge for a lot of people because they want to just make a website and show their work. And they hope that Disney will call them and say, hey, I I like your work and I want to use you. And that is not going to happen. I did did millions of dollars of work for Disney and I promise you it's not going to happen. They're not just going to call you because you have great work. There are two ways to get work from great brands. Number one is you have a relationship with somebody who works at the great brand. You have to have some kind of a relationship to be considered 
for that great brand. So that's the first thing. Now, when I started doing work for great brands, I was a creative director at Fox Studios working in Los Angeles. And I had a lot of great friends that moved on from Fox and started working at Disney, started working at Warner Brothers, started working at Sony, and they became my first three clients, those three, because they were my friends and now they were working at that business. So I had that relationship. So how do you do that? If you're, a lot of your listeners are in India, how do you start building a relationship with people at great brands? Well, you live in the perfect time in the world to be able to do that. It is the age of social media. And you can connect with people all over the world, in any country, in any business. So don't be afraid to reach out to people and build a relationship. Find somebody who works at Disney and maybe they also are of Indian origin like you. So you have something to compatible in your world with them and you reach out to them and you say, oh, I would love to work at Disney too. How did you get your job at Disney? Tell me your story. And you start to just build a relationship. Don't ask for work at the start. Don't ask them to send you a project because they're not going to. So don't ask for it. Just start by building a real relationship. Tej, we, we started corresponding through direct messages. You messaged me. I messaged you back. We probably commented on posts and things. And when we jumped on our call today, it wasn't like we had never talked before. We knew who each other were. We knew, uh, we knew enough about each other that it wasn't weird and awkward because we built a relationship. But the first, the very first thing isn't, hey, Mike, um, do you have any work you can send me? Well, no, I don't have any work I can send you because we've never even talked before. I'm not going to send you work. But now I know, okay, if there's anybody who has podcast needs and they are in India and they're in the design community, oh, I know who I need to connect them with. I need to connect them with my friend Tej. He's there. He's doing it. So it's just that relationship building, that's one way to get into the big brands. The other way is through reputation. And this is how some people do it. Reputation, you build a great business over time, you become known for the awards you've won, you win agency of the year from ad age, you have your studio in New York City, and you build this reputation around your name. And then all of a sudden, Disney, yep, Disney may call you because they heard about you as this amazing thought leader, designer person. They may call you. And that happens a lot um, to the big mega agencies. But that's not a realistic dream for most people. The realistic dream is start building relationships with people who have connections into these bigger brands. Thank you so much, Michael, for explaining us so wonderfully. So now, like, what is the right way to approach like these big brands? Like, is there any right, perfect proposal that you suggest? Offer something of value before you ask for something from them. So what can you give of value? Well, Tej, you and I are in the design community on Instagram. I have tons and tons of followers. I have 130,000 something followers and I've written books and things. And you might say to yourself, okay, well, what can I offer of value to Mike? Well, you're having me on your podcast. That's a value to me because now people in your audience are going to learn about me. That's valuable to me. You can share a post of mine or comment on a post of mine and that has value to me. You can message me and say, hey, Mike, I just wanted to tell you I 
loved your post from today. I have people do this to me every day. I loved your post today. I love your content. Thank you so much for all you do. That has tremendous value to me because it's validation and it's support and it's inspiration for me. So you can offer something of value even to the greatest people in all the world. You can offer something of value and oftentimes when you're small and you don't have a big influence, you can offer the value of motivation, inspiration, um, gratitude to people who have inspired you in some way. So Offer something of value before you ask for something from them. Don't start by saying, hello, Joe, creative director at Disney Studios in Los Angeles. I'm Sally. Um, Will you give me some projects? It's never going to happen. But if you say, hey, Joe, creative director, I saw that you were in the credits of Frozen 2 movie. I loved the movie so much. Thank you for your work on it. Frozen has been one of my favorites. Thank you so much. And you lead with that has um, that has value to Joe, creative director, who was on the movie that you love. And it opens the door for more correspondence that you can have with that person in the future. And then you let work opportunities build out of a real relationship over time. Now, that's what we're talking about getting into big brands. This is the way to get into big brands. You don't have to do it quite that way when you're working with smaller clients and things. You can offer more value to, you know, the pizza restaurant down the street from you in India. You can offer a lot of value to them but uh, and get in the door without having to to do that typical approach. But that's how you're going to get into big brands. Thank you so much, Michael. So now comes the pricing part. Like everyone has this confusion of how much, you know, one should price accordingly. And so what do you suggest? Like what's the effective pricing methodology? So so I, my pricing methodology is very, um, it's not complex, but it's, it's hard to give an answer in a few minutes, but I'm going to try. Um, I have a, I have a 200 page book about how to price creative services. So that's, um, I have a lot to say about pricing and I've said a lot about pricing. But let me give you a couple of little gems that'll help the listeners on this podcast. Number one, you need to price yourself in harmony with what other people like you are charging. So if you are in India, and you're working for small businesses that are based in India, then you have a certain uh, market value that you can charge those types of clients based on you being in India and them being in India. Now, a designer in New York City that's working for Disney, since we're using that as the example, the market value changes. That designer who's living in New York City, working for a one of the most global, massive brands that there ever was, is going to be able to charge more to a client like that. So the first thing engaging your pricing, you have to understand the market value of the work that you are doing based on other people like you doing work for other clients like the client you are pricing. So let's take Joe's Pizza in, Joe's Pizza is my example that I always use. Joe's Pizza in India. On the street, it's three blocks away from you. You're a freelancer in India and your client is Joe's Pizza in India. The question you ask yourself when you start pricing a logo for Joe's Pizza, you start to ask yourself, okay, what do other people like me charge for this same type of work? And you think to yourself, okay, 
Well, I know my friend, uh, I have three friends and they would all charge probably $200 for the logo. All my friends. And I'm Joe's Pizza is based in India where they probably will only pay $200 for the logo. Maybe. I mean, some, some people would pay even less. So you have to start thinking to yourself, okay, what is the market value? This is how we understand market value. There's that piece. The other piece of pricing um, is the return on investment value. What is the value of the end product to the client you are working for? A logo to Nike is going to have way more value to Nike's brand than a logo to Joe's Pizza in India. Nike's logo is going to be seen by billions of people around the world. It is going to become known as the, the visual icon for this multi-billion dollar company. That logo has way more monetary value to Nike than the logo that you're going to do for Joe's Pizza in India that will be seen by hundreds of people that live in the area and go to Joe's Pizza. So, the amount of eyeballs and exposure that the work gets affects the amount that you can charge for the work. So keep that in mind as well when you're pricing your work. So start with market value and then also consider the return on investment value to the client and you start to balance some of these numbers in your head um, as you go, as you approach pricing your work for clients. Now that is a very loose description of, I could talk to you about pricing for hours and hours, but we'll leave it at that for this podcast. Um, I've done a lot of posts. If you, if, if you want more on pricing, my YouTube channel, um, which is more Janda on YouTube and my Instagram, more Janda on Instagram. I've talked a lot about pricing and pricing strategies in my content there. That's free on those two platforms. Thank you so much, Michael. I'll be dropping those uh, in the show notes as well. Uh, so that listeners okay, can go and visit it out. Thank Perfect. you so much for that. Uh, so on a concluding note, I would love here from you any three favorite books of yours and also three people who inspire you in this domain? Okay, good, good questions. I like both of these. I'm going to tell you three books that hit me at the right time in my life that had a dramatic change in in the way that I think. So the three books that that hit me and changed the way I think. Number one, and I've mentioned this book a lot, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It is such an important book just about how to be a socially good person, how to socially be good in business, how to validate people and help people connect with you on a deeper level. Um, so that one's been a super valuable highly recommend that book. The next book is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. The E-Myth Revisited hit me when I was freelancing and it helped me see the path to build my freelance business into the agency that it became over the years that followed. It changed the way that I thought about my business. It talks a lot about systems and processes and how to systemize your business, which is what I did. I embraced that concept and it made a huge difference. My agency grew from me to 20 employees to selling it to another agency where we had 80 employees it was all on the fundamental systems that I put in place at the start after I read that book, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And then the final book I'll mention is Good to Great by Jim Collins, which also hit me at a, at a great time in my business because 
I read that when I probably had seven or eight employees and it helped me realize, oh, there's a next step to this. I, I don't have to be just this little agency going. I can do more things. What do I need to do to go from this phase to being a great business, to building this into the next level? Um, so Good to Great by Jim Collins has a lot of great principles in it that'll help you develop your business. So those are my three books that I would recommend. Um, people that inspire me in this design community. I'll shout out a couple of people who are my friends that have inspired me a lot. So number one, Tom Ross, my biz buddy. We do a podcast together, the Biz Buds Podcast. And Tom Ross is, um, we just see eye to eye on so many things. We have such a great relationship and I've only known him for a year, but we've become buddies and, you know, I message with him every day and he inspires me and pushes me in a way that very few people have done in my career. And so uh, shout out to Tom. The next one, James Martin, who is in the UK. He's made by James on Instagram. His logo designs are amazing. His personality is amazing. He's got this big burly beard and a thick uh, British accent. And he's just this, and he's just a good, good hearted, good soul. And uh, so he inspires me. I love his work and, and his personality. I mean, the whole package is just great for him. And then another one who, if I could design like anybody in Instagram, um, it would be John Bresciani. He's in Australia. Um, John Bresciani design as his Instagram handle. And man, his, his design is just so good. It's so good. So shout out to John. He hasn't been posting much lately. So I hope he kicks in again uh, soon, but he's, he really inspires me and motivates me as a designer to up my game. Thank you so much, Michael, for your great time and having this wonderful conversation with us. We are looking forward to host you again. I look forward to it too. I think we're doing one in, in a few weeks with Tom as well. So that'll be a yes. lot of fun for us. Yes. Super excited about that. Awesome. Thanks, Tej. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. Thank you.